Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Bouncing Back, the Personal Resilience Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. Let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome. I am your host Tia Hama and today we are going to be discussing the science of sedentary lifestyle and how this affects your personal resilience. I am here with Dr. Stefan Zavellan. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I've been so excited looking forward to this interview. Great. Thank you so much for being here. So whereabouts are you at the moment? Uh, We are in Los Angeles. I say we because my wife and I just moved here about two and a half months ago from Nashville, Tennessee. So we drove all the way across the U.S. Oh my um, that goodness. Was, that was quite exciting. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. So before we start, you've had a very interesting professional life. Um, so for those who don't know you, do you mind explaining a bit about who you are and what it is you do? Sure. So inevitably, when I get introduced as Dr. Stefan Zavalin, it's always the, oh, what are you a doctor of, right? So I got my doctorate in physical therapy, and it's not a PhD in physical therapy because that would be research. It is a clinical doctorate in physical therapy. Right. I went into the physical therapy field. I, I was in the clinic for a while, and then I just thought, ah, we're treating symptoms, we're not treating the actual problems. Yeah. And so I took all of that knowledge and expertise and basically shifted into something what I'm doing now, which is I've named motion mentoring in the sense of how can we make sure that movement is throughout our life, but really throughout our work. And so that has led me to writing a book, doing a TEDx talk, and just helping coach people along all of this. Yeah, wow, that sounds so interesting. So in terms of where you're at now and what you're doing, um, you mentioned a show earlier when we were talking sort of behind the scenes um, in terms of what work you're doing now, sort of what are you working on? So initially when I first started this, when I first was thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in and I'm going to do ergonomics kinds of things because that's what it feels like when you're a physical therapist and you're going, that's how I help people. You go in, you realize people already kind of know ergonomics and they have teams that do it. So I thought, okay, maybe it's a culture thing. I need to start impacting the culture and the habits of how people are doing this because they might have the knowledge, but not implementing the knowledge. So I thought, okay, coaching and presenting maybe is the way that I need to go about it. And that was along those same uh, paths and reasons. But then I realized the further part, and this is the show that you're referencing is something new that I realized my talents are better used for presenting in a very entertaining, engaging fashion. And it's yeah. not something that people are doing. Most of the time, these presentations are boring and they're just PowerPoint. So now <laughs> yeah. what it's evolving into is something more fun and engaging. Mm-hmm. And to find out the entirety of it, I'll show a bit at the very, very yeah. end. Yeah. Perfect. So exciting. And that's kind of exactly what we're trying to do here in terms of sharing information in a way that is um, certainly more exciting and more entertaining for you know this modern age. Not everybody wants to sit in front of a PowerPoint these days, or at least as a uni student, I know that I have no interest in sitting in front of a PowerPoint most days. Um, so getting information like this is so much more helpful. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to do a little bit of sort of get to know the guests. So get to know Stefan. Um, 
So I'm going to ask you some questions, and then you're just going to answer as we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Cool. So first question, uh, a recent book you have been reading. So in terms of a recent book that I keep on rereading over and over again, um, is You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Chinchero. And oh, wow. it's not her first book. I, I think <laughs> okay. it's actually her, her second book. And I, I don't know if she found a special sauce in it or something, but oh my goodness, <laughs> it just brings out so much in you. You don't even need to think about the making money part. It's not even about yeah. money. It's about changing your mindset in life. So that oh, would be I love one. that. Oh, that sounds so yeah. good. And who's that by? Jen Sincero. Okay. Awesome. Don't ask me to spell. Right. I don't know <laughs> the last name. No, that's fine. That's what we have Siri for. Um, so the second question is a movie you would recommend. So the, I have two that hold a place very near and dear to my heart. Um, my favorite movie, and this is only because I was asked so many times to pick a favorite movie. I don't <laughs> think it's possible to have one, right? uh, but it's, it's Iron a lot Man. Of pressure. It's a lot Iron of Man. It's okay, the, the first one, like the original? The very the original one. There are multiple reasons for it. I love, there's a lot of humor in it. That's really great. There's ingenuity. Uh, there's Robert Downey Jr. who holds a special place in my yes. heart. All, all across, it's, it's a winner for me. Lately, the movie that's been just impacting my work is The Greatest Showman uh, with, okay. with Hugh Jackman. And, uh, yeah. and there's actually, I have a little, I have the vinyl of the soundtrack. Oh, cool. Because I listened to it many times. So, yeah. <laughs> that's great. This is such a good soundtrack for anybody who hasn't seen that, The Greatest Showman. Please go and watch it. It's such an incredible piece of just artwork and film. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my third question is, your favorite podcast. You don't have to say ours. There's really no pressure there. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, that's, that's good to know. Um, so now that I have to change my answer, it's uh, <laughs> Venture, Venture Forth is actually the, the podcast uh, that is my current absolute favorite. Yeah. You would think, oh, is that a movement podcast? Is this something to do with business and success? No, it's actually a, a D&D, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Oh, cool. Uh, that my friends are doing. And it's it's, it's basically theater in podcast form. Truly is the oh, best wow. way to describe it because they have all original music and they're all voiceover actors. They're not just oh players. Goodness. They're actually acting as they're doing it. So it's fantastic. Yeah. That Venture so forth fascinating. I love that. I don't think all podcasts have to be like, obviously I love our podcast um, and everybody loves those podcasts that help sort of build your life and inform your life. And that's kind of why we're here. Um, but sometimes this nice, fun, just like chill podcasts are like so much fun. Mm -hmm. Just like, when you're on the way home or something and you just kind of want to zen out, like you just want something like that that's like so fun and upbeat and just sort of makes you smile. Um, so that's great. Yeah. Um, my fourth question is who is your famous role model? If you have one, some of the guests we've spoken to don't have one, which is totally valid. But if you have one, please. So I have two and they're two for separate reasons and it may not immediately jump to people's minds why. Um, similarly to the kind of Iron Man side of answers because people go, oh, you just picked a Marvel movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to surprise you though. I'm going to say Robert Downey Jr. is one of my role models. Yeah. We've kind of mentioned that already, but it's more so for his ability to um, where he kind of flipped the switch from all of his drug habits and how he sort of resurfaced. And in one of the interviews, he was yeah. even talking about he doesn't have the inkling to go back because there's right. so much of promise in the future. He doesn't have to. And the other, and it's only because I've been compared to him so many times um, near and dear to my heart is Robin Williams. And that's just, it's oh. the levity and it's the finding the humor and the fun zing of everything. Um, just the life and being so vibrant and funny. Yeah. 
yeah I, so much of a role model for me yeah that is someone yeah that you want to look up to if not be compared to like oh what a compliment right there so my fifth question is a course you have completed doesn't have to be recent um but have you completed a course recently <laughs> so yeah i have i have two and again this one is it's kind of fun and this this is going to go to the open mic piece that uh, at the end but uh, i two of uh, a sailing instructor course because uh, i used to be a sailing instructor and then also a music theory course because i started my undergraduate career as a music uh, major i was playing in orchestras and what, what was similar between both of those courses is that both instructors allowed me to be completely creative and I actually got to do uh, a little bit of a stand-up routine at the end of each course as part of my presentation. And That's that has so interesting. It stuck with me forever. <laughs> for, for the sailing instructor thing, I legitimately, the instructor at the end presented me with, a, uh, with an Oscar, a fake Oscar for the thing that I did. It was, it was that much fun and we just had a great time. That sounds awesome. I want to do this sailing course. I am terrible on boats, but that sounds like a hoot. Any kind of course where I can do a little bit of stand-up routine at the end, I'll, I'll sign up for that. That sounds so good. <laughs> Perfect. Wonderful. Um, so let's get into it in terms of what we're here talking about, which is uh, sedentary lifestyle um, and more specifically how you can build resilience in the face of this and how it can kind of um, turn your resilience around and sort of help you be more active um, because I think we talk about resilience a lot in terms of like a mental headspace um, and obviously physical aspects come into that so it's very important um, but first for our listeners Stefan how would you define personal resilience oh great you're gonna put me on the spot for it <laughs> Um, it doesn't have to be like a big fancy scientific answer because I think for each person what that means is slightly different and that's kind of what we want to hear. Sure. No, absolutely. I think that for me, um, personal resilience ends up having to be not being knocked completely off course. It's that you are obviously things are going to happen in life. It's not just how fast you can bounce back, but the fact that you're consistently still moving and yeah. able to course correct and adjust. Um, I've, uh, I got asked once, what is my definition of success? Um, and I said mm. that it's taking the next step. So it's not, uh, that's not what the next step is, but it's, it's that ability to keep going and taking the yeah. next step. And so in that similar fashion of the personal resilience, it's the ability to keep moving as opposed to staying still. And it may not be in the exact direction that you want, but at least you're moving and not just stationary. Yeah, yeah I really like that. Um, because, yeah, I think there's a lot of kind of misconceptions about um, resilience, meaning that you're sort of immune to stresses or adversity or you're kind of tough to the point where you're sort of like desensitized, um, if mm. we can sort of use that term. And a lot of people think this because, you know, we associate resilience um, with sort of strength and bravery and a lot of the times we don't associate those things with emotional intelligence because they've often sort of been, um, you know, very masculine terms and then very feminine terms. Um, but now we're kind of trying to break down that barrier so that those terms don't have um, those attachments. But how would you define a sedentary lifestyle? So moving on from personal resilience into sort of our topic, um, we will talk about how they're sort of interconnected. But first, I think, obviously, for listeners, 
helpful for us to define it. Um, and for anybody listening, if I do say the word sedentary different a few times, it's because I'm working with two different <laughs> two different um, sayings of the word here. So please cut me a little slack because this is a word that I have never had to say out loud, which is so weird. But anyway, so going back to my question, um, can you define sedentary lifestyle? Sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there. I just sort of had to. I'm going to add to your tangent, actually. <laughs> um, you're doing so much better than so many of my patients because okay. uh, my patients, when I was in the clinic, they would call it sedimentary lifestyle of the word <laughs> from sediment, which is rock. And I would go, okay. And this a lot of nice. times you just have to smile and nod and go, you did not say a thing there. That was different. Yep. Uh, you're at least having all the right letters in there. So I think you're doing great. I'm trying. Thank you. Um, but I look at a sedentary lifestyle from two standpoints. There could be the physical part of it, which is where the vast majority of people look at it. Mm. It's this really kind of absence of movement. Or if you look up a lot of the definitions, it's being yeah. seated, not being active physically. But yeah. then there is the other side of lifestyle because life isn't just mm. physical movement and it's a lifestyle meaning that everything in your life is slower not moving people don't subscribe to that one quite as much but it's one that i keep in my mind because addressing it which we'll kind of get into later actually changes depending on which one is limiting you is it a full stagnation of your life or is it just you're not getting enough physical activity yeah that's so interesting because yeah when you look it up um just when you type it into the internet sort of the um kind of like other word for it is this inactive lifestyle if people like me don't want to say the words sedentary um then you just get inactive lifestyle um in terms of having a lifestyle that includes a lot of sitting down and lying down and all that kind of stuff which I think post-covid or sort of not post-covid but post everybody's lockdowns essentially um it's something that we're very familiar with because a lot of us tried to get outside. Um, but we also realize the importance of that, kind of how important it is to get outside and to get up. Um, and, you know, people who've had injuries that have caused them to not be able to move will understand even that pre or post COVID in terms of that frustration of not being able to get up. And that's when you realize how important it is. So I kind of want to ask sort of, post-pandemic, if that's a thing, um, mm -hmm. have you sort of seen an increase in people having more active lifestyles or have you seen sort of like the effects of having a sedentary lifestyle? So I'm going to back up a little bit more than the pandemic. In general, with the amount of desk works that have been increasing because so much more automation is increasing, so much mm. more and robotics is increasing, so just desk works are increasing. The trend was that we were already gonna be sitting more and more and more. The pandemic for some, for most, made us sit more. Some people got on crazy fitness um, regimens during that and we yeah. hate all of them um, because they're, they're, just, they're amazing human beings. We're not, whatever, forget it. Let's deal yeah. with this. Some people mortals. emerge looking good. Some people emerge not, not looking so there good. You go. It's fine, it's life. <clears throat> we're okay about it. Anyway. <laughs> In, from what I've seen, definitely people are sitting more. They're moving less. I think, as with many things, the pandemic maybe just kind of was a catalyst and pushed that along further and faster. Yeah. But it wasn't necessarily the cause. 
So in terms of remote work, a lot of people are going, the pandemic caused us to go to remote work. No, people are already starting to do that. It just caused us to shift way faster. And mm. we realized, well, we can do so much of this in remote. But then if yeah. we're looking from the physical movement standpoint, people, their commute is rolling out of their bed and sitting down in a chair 20 feet away. So, yeah. So they're not moving as much. So. Mm, yeah, that was a big problem. And I know that I faced this a lot. I was injured during COVID as well. So even the five kilometer radius thing that we had here in Melbourne, I don't know what it was um, like in Los Angeles, but in Melbourne, the the restrictions that we had were like some of the strictest <laughs> that kind of ever existed. So even then you could only sort of go so far in terms of activity. And I was injured during this time. So yeah, even just working um i was working at a law firm at the time i didn't even have to roll out of bed to go sit at my desk because i couldn't sit at my desk essentially because i couldn't bend my knee so i would lean over and grab my laptop and then just put it on my lap and sit in my bed and that was probably the most terrible habit i developed during covid was just not even getting up and like moving and that was oh such a horrible thing so it was quite an eye opener in terms of um, people realized how much they were moving in terms of like oh I was actually doing a lot of exercise and a lot of active um, kind of things before COVID and now I'm realizing that you know I did those and I still need those or people were like oh wow my life is really not that different <laughs> I'm still sitting at a desk and doing the same thing um, every day so that was a, a big eye-opener um, for me so my next question is kind of in terms of if we just start off sort of with the active kind of um, definition of it if we are to associate a sedentary lifestyle with a lot of sitting, the first kind of thing that you think of is working at a desk while sitting in a chair. Um, is our Are our jobs or our working habits kind of promoting this sedentary lifestyle? Obviously, you've kind of already touched on this, um, but I'm so interested to sort of see kind of how that's progressed if you sort of noticed like a big sort of like shift in terms of um, our jobs promoting a sedentary lifestyle because they're not kind of as active as they used to be or? Well, m more than that even. But yes, they're not as active because we're at a desk. We're not as active. But then the next piece of it is what's the culture at work like? And that's something that's been buzzing around a lot lately is work culture, that kind of compound yeah. word. And so the way that I look at it is most people go, what's the work culture? Is it toxic? Is it not? And I go, what's the work culture around physical movement? Mm. And this can go down into something as simple as what are the words that we're using? Yeah. Are the words that we're using, hey, everybody sit down so we can start the meeting. Can you all stop standing around and, and go back to work? You know, is it perceived that work can only be done seated and that there's no way that you can do anything positive or good standing up? Yeah. Right. So then you're starting to go around that. And so is that something that you, you feel about yourself as well? And then the flip side of it, if you decide that you're going to stand for your Zoom meetings because you're working remote, are people going to start going, oh, wow, you're standing up. Wow, you're so healthy. I could never do that. Yeah. If you also but if you're the other person, if you're the person saying that you're just limited yourself, you just said to yourself, I could not be healthy. There's no way that I'm going to improve my habits and mm. not have a sedentary lifestyle. And every time you do it, you're just reaffirming the fact that you couldn't be healthy. So it comes down to this kind of culture of what is that? And I mean, we could look at anything. We could look at the same thing about lunches when somebody's eating a green salad. Oh, my goodness. So healthy. <laughs> yeah. I could never give up cupcakes. 
I'm sure you could. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so interesting that you sort of say that in terms of that work culture because it's assumed that you kind of have to be chained to your desk to be able to do anything in a productive kind of manner. And I feel like that has definitely been something, yeah, that has been promoted and it's just been assumed that you have to be sitting because when you're standing, your brain apparently is not the same and that's what people think. But then they have these magical things called the standing desks where you get to like sort of push them up. And even now, like I'm sitting and from the looks of it, you're standing. And even my brain was like, oh, he's standing. Like (laughs) he's like, he's standing while doing this, which isn't something that I should really notice, but it's still a bit like jarring because my brain is like, well, if we need to do work, we have to sit down. Um, And it's, yeah, sort of being able to change that space around you so that you can sort of be a little bit more active in your work sort of lifestyle um, is very important. Yeah, and we'll we'll touch more on that because I know we're going to be getting into some of the ways that we can start implementing some of those things. But one, I try to make it very obvious that I, I'm standing up. Uh, before we actually started the recording, the wonderful studio guy told me to step up a little <laughs> bit closer to the camera because I want to stand so far back that you go, oh my goodness, like he's moving. There's things mm. happening to throw off that perception that meetings and interactions can't be done standing up. Yeah. Um, so in that way, I want you to notice that I'm standing up. Okay. Um, and most people inevitably do. It's yeah. kind of like the little side to side sway as they shift my or whatever it might be. But it's rare that people go, oh, my goodness, this is so bad. I'm not getting a good human interaction with him. I feel like he's not paying attention. Inevitably, what happens is they look inward and they go, I should stand up more. You make me feel like I need to stand up more. That's probably mm. the thing I hear most often when it comes to these video chat interactions and stuff. Yeah. I have like a bit of a question, I guess, in terms of like, yeah, I, I noticed that you were standing, you're sort of like bopping up and down kind of thing, um, whereas I'm sort of swaying side to side on my little squiggle chair here. Um, but do you think um, sort of like fitness watches, this, we're just going to go off on a bit of a tangent, um, sort of like those Apple watches and those kind of things, do you think they're helping people get up more because it's like, oh, you haven't done enough steps? Do you think that's kind of making people want to stand up more because they feel like they need to achieve some kind of goal? Yes and no. So you brought up a really good point at the very last word um, of your question, and that is goal. If Mm. they have the goal of being healthier, if they have the goal of I want to function better, I want to have improved mental health, whatever it might be, physical movement helps with all those things. So then, yes, of course, it's going to help that. You have the flip side of the person that got a a new Apple watch for Christmas that buzzes every hour that they're sitting. And initially through January, February, maybe they were moving, maybe they were getting up. Mm -hmm. And then by March, they're going, I hate this stupid thing buzzing. I got to do my work. It's interrupting me. (laughs) Right. So the habit, and we're going to get more into habits because that's, that's really where it, it lies in there is all of these things are great, but it's what can you do with them? Because all the watches are doing is, yes, there's a reminder piece, but there's also just a metrics piece. It's telling Mm you, this is how many steps you've had, Uh, which is good. Is it good? Is it bad? Should you get 10,000 steps? Should you get 50,000 steps? It depends. It really, truly depends. And so how people use a lot of this stuff, that's going to be more important than using it. Because if somebody uses it as an excuse and says, well, I can't be healthy because I don't have a Fitbit or an Apple watch, yeah. Okay, then you have the other side of that excuse because I don't yeah. have one, but I my phone counts the steps that I take. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think your phone just like 
does it for you? Because sometimes I'm very fascinated by how how little or how much and I have to sort of think about, oh, what was I doing that day? Like why was I walking around so much? Or it's because I've actually purposefully gone outside to actually Mm -hmm. walk around. Um, So in terms of you mentioned the word habits. So I kind of want to break that down a little bit more because people sort of throw around these words and sort of like sedentary lifestyle or an active lifestyle or mm-hmm. like active work habits and all this kind of stuff. But what does active work habits actually mean? Yeah. All right. Settle into your squiggle chair. Here we go. Um, so <laughs> Is that what I called it? A squiggle chair? <laughs> I think swivel chair. I don't know. Oh, okay. I, maybe it makes a sound. Maybe it doesn't. Who knows? I haven't heard one yet, but that's fine. Cool. You, you, you know, but so when it comes to those kind of habits, this is where we're coming back to the sedentary lifestyle being, is it physical inactivity or is it overall kind of life inactivity? I swear we're going to come full circle, but let me get, <laughs> let me get through all of it. Um, so when we look at physical inactivity, we're talking about truly you are motivated in life. You know that you're, you're still doing things, but just, yeah, can't seem to stick to that going to the gym. You can't seem to do a morning walk. All you seem to do is just sit, sit, sit. You don't have the motivation. You don't have yeah. the energy. It just seems to be hard. That's a physical limitation um, in terms of uh, you can't get there uh, necessarily uh, just from the standpoint of physical movement. It's not a physical limitation. We'll get to what that difference is. So the way that you can approach that is that's a mindset issue because you're not forming the habit to do the thing. Okay. Yeah. Be that the habit of going to the gym, be that the habit of taking your dog for a walk regularly, whatever it is. The flip side is if you have depression, if you are just utterly unmotivated and not moving through life, building habits is not necessarily going to help you. That's, that's a really hard thing to get out of, uh, alluding back all the way to Robert Downey Jr. in that sense. It's a hard <laughs> place to get out of. And yeah. somebody telling you, well, you just got to think happy thoughts and just get a better habit. That's mm. not really going to help. Yeah. That's a case where doing an hour of a workout, just you're going to say, I'm just going to do one hour and that's it. I'm not one hour, three times a week. Not a, not that that's habit building. I'm just going to do an hour of movement, dancing, whatever it might be, just to get the happy neurochemicals going, getting the endorphins, because that's going to improve the health. So then you can start making tiny, tiny little habits going all the way back to, okay, I'm just limited. How do I build the healthier habit at work? Yeah. It comes back to to mindset. And one of the biggest things that I like to teach in this kind of mindset, especially with movement, but it can be used for anything, is the difference between doing less of the bad versus more of the good. The way we approach most habits is we tend to think I'm going to do more of the good. I'm going to go work out more. I'm going to be more productive. I'm going to eat healthier. A lot of people are burning out right now. The pandemic, if anything, has really pushed people to the brink and people are burning out because we're adding more and more and more and more stuff and we're not able to deal with everything else. Definitely. So what I try to teach people to do is how can we look at doing less of the bad? In this case, we're looking at sitting less versus moving more. And I'll give you a perfect example of the differences. With moving more, these are things like, oh, I'm going to do jumping jacks between my meetings. I'm going to go ahead and take a lunchtime walk, and then I'm going to park further away so that I can I have a little bit longer of a distance to, to walk to work. Yeah, they're all great. I'm not a, you're getting movement, and, I, and I'm happy that you're getting movement. 
Yeah. But you're not really reducing the amount that you're sitting. You're just adding more activities on top of everything. Oh, okay. Sitting less yeah. looks more like, hey, during my meeting that I'm going to have to have no, regardless of, of what else happens, I'm going to stand up for 15 minutes. The 20 minutes uh, in the morning that I do my emails, I'm going to take my laptop and put it on a counter so I can stand up while I'm doing it. Right. Maybe if I have to have a meeting with a coworker in person or over the phone, let me walk while I have that meeting. You have not added more activities for you to do. You are doing the same activities you were going to do for work, but now you're doing them in a manner that is sitting less as opposed to adding more and more stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's a big shift and it's hard. Most people, they, they kind of start getting it and inevitably they start shifting back to the moving more side of things. Yeah. Um, but that is the kind of the mindset that I usually talk about. So it's kind of, it's not like a um, sort of compensate for the amount of sitting, but actually just decreasing the amount of sitting instead of, yeah, sort of like adding things. Okay, no, that, yeah, that makes sense. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I've never thought about it like that because I think as humans, I don't know, maybe other people don't think like this, but I sort of think of it as it is sort of like a point system in terms of like give and take. So, okay, if I do sit down for like three hours, then I am going to go and have to do like an hour workout to make up for the fact that I just put mm -hmm. my body through this thing where I had to sit down for so long. Um, but sort of what you're explaining is, is not that. Right. And let me tell you exactly why, because so this was a study that it, this is what got me out of the clinic. Um, it's an Australian study. So you can be happy about hey. that. Um, <laughs> and effectively, so because I was looking at what are the impacts of sitting and up to about eight hours of sitting throughout the day, that's reversed with exercise. If you get a proper <laughs> amount of movement in and exercise in, you're good. And if that was the case for all of sitting, I, I really wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. <laughs> yep. It's when we it's when we get to 11 or more hours. 11 or more hours a day of sitting increases your risk of premature death by 40%. Yeah, wow. With all the combined oh my goodness. things. That's not the scary part. That's Everybody okay. goes, oh my goodness, but that's, right? Like <laughs> oh, you go, great. whoa, okay, 40, wow, okay, yeah, calm down there. It's not reduced with exercise. In that study of over 200,000 participants, not reduced with exercise. Oh no. So it's not about exercising more. It is about sitting less. We have to reduce the amount that we're sitting. And you're not going to do that by going to the gym for three hours mm. and saying, well, there you go. I compensated. Yeah. Um, because if you're struggling to get to the gym for 45 minutes, how are you going to do three hours a day? So it really is about sitting less. And that's why this kind of framework around shifting it all. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting and scary. Um, but yeah, it's, our body is, it's, it's not a point system. It's not kind of like a, like obviously you need balance, but it's, yeah, really not that give and take. It's so malleable and it's so much more complicated than <laughs> anything we can, anything we can discuss in this podcast. Um, but my next question kind of ties back into that sort of uh, misconception about standing means you're not as engaged. So people often associate um, being focused and being productive with sitting because it's kind of like you're still, so therefore you're more engaged because you're not moving, which means, you know, that kind of thing. It's sort of like when I think about it, um, if this is making any sense, when I think about it, it's sort of like when you have children and they just kind of, and they're moving all the time and they're just running around and you're just like, oh my gosh, your brain is moving so fast. You're not focusing, you're not concentrating and when you try and get a kid to do something, the first thing you do is tell them to sit down. And you're like, sit down, like 
relax, like be quiet and like stay engaged. If you've ever been to a cinema that has had a child in it, you will see that they don't sit down in their chair and they're kind of all like flailed about. Even I took my 13-year-old brother to go see Elvis the other day and that was an absolute nightmare, (laughs) even though he's not a toddler anymore, um, could not sit still. And so therefore I assumed that he was not focused. He probably wasn't, I'm going to be honest. (laughs) I don't really think he found it that engaging. Um, But there's this notion that sitting down means you are focused and productive. Um, And therefore there are those concerns about how moving about is going to inherently change how productive we are. Um, But is, is there actually sort of any real evidence for or against this belief in terms of sitting down increases your productivity? I'm going to touch on a lot of things because you brought up a lot of interesting yes. things. Right. No, and, and they're great. They're all wonderful because they're questions we need to ask. So I'm just going to, I'm going to touch on this one and then we're going to go to the rest because it's kind of, we could even have a whole episode on just this. Yeah. Um, is the fact that kids are moving around so much and we're limiting them an issue about them or an issue about us mm. trying to stifle how much movement a human body truly needs? and that their organism is expressing naturally. And we're saying, no, sit down, because the society has said, this is what you need to do to pay attention. Yeah. Kind of just just like a question for us to ponder, because we, we go for, you actually said the point system. We go, you're over here, you're crazy running around, it's so much energy. The only way I can balance you to the middle where I need you to be is sit completely still. Yeah. And most of the time, if you're at a meeting or if you're engaging with somebody at a coffee shop and they're sitting dead still just staring at you, you also go, are you, are you okay? Are you paying attention? Are you zoning <laughs> yeah. out? What is happening? So yeah, it's not as if true. we truly want full stillness. We mm. want an amount of slight movement, head nodding engagement. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm <laughs> yep. hearing you. So there is an undoubted balance between those, but you're not wrong in that. Yeah. We stifle movement all the time in workplaces as well as can everybody just sit down or fidgeting mm. when people are tapping For individuals with ADHD, fidgeting has been shown to improve the amount that they can focus. Yeah. Actually, that amount of repetitive movement helps them concentrate on what you're saying. And then if you're saying no fidgeting whatsoever in the workplace, you're losing them. You're Mm. actually losing them. And then the final kind of philosophical thing, and this maybe has to do, you kind of said about it with, with going to Elvis. If people are not paying attention to what you're saying and they're not engaged, you might have a problem with what you're saying and what you're delivering and how engaging it is. Yeah. And not with the people. Because if your workers, if your team is going, yeah, I don't care. This could have been an email. I'm just sitting here and I'm bored out of my mind. I don't care about the work that I'm doing. I'm not engaged and interested in anything that you're saying. Mm. That's probably not a, most of the time, not a them issue. Yeah. That's a, that's a you issue. Um, if, if we're talking about the, the higher ups in that sense. But anyway, coming back to your question, which was about the productivity of standing desks or yeah. the is reduced sitting actually good for us, bad for us. Mm. So long story short, introducing standing desks in a call center, in this case, increased productivity uh, after six months by 45% yeah, for wow. those workers. Oh my 45%. And this wasn't, they just bought a standing desk. You don't have to buy standing desks in order to do this. Yeah, I do all my things standing up. I'm the guy who talks about reducing your sitting. I don't <laughs> have a standing desk. Um, and I, I use a pile of books. And I was going to say, it. yeah, I was like, some people just like stack lots of stuff. 
Yeah, and the way that I have everything set up, it's it's very easy for me to just to put it back and forth. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. It takes me all of about 15, I made a little TikTok or Instagram reel or something on it where it literally, it takes me 10, 15 seconds to transition from standing to sitting. Yeah, wow. it, it, there is the excuse of, I need a standing desk. A standing desk helps the habit, but you can have the habit without it mm. uh, by all means. So yeah. in that sense, absolutely improves productivity, reduces the amount of brain fog that we have. Oh, wow. Having said all of this, while it is beneficial and great and wonderful, there are two things to watch out for in this case. One, people try to be a little overzealous. If you have spent the last two to three decades being conditioned to sit all the time for work, you can't just jump into hours and hours of standing. You're going to get fatigued. You're going to get tired. Your body's not going to function as well. So yeah. start slow. There's, there's, that's why I said it took six months for them to get to the 45% increase. It didn't just happen. In the first month, it was much lower. Um, I think it was maybe anywhere from 15 to 23% increase, but there was still an increase. Um, and then the second part about it is what are you used to doing in sitting and what are you used to doing in standing? So in one study, for those people that were used, they, they learned how to type in more of a seated position where they were actually maybe in a computer lab or whatever else it might be yeah. in school, yeah. they do better with typing and computer work that's that intense in a seated position. People that might've gotten more accustomed to it as a cashier or anything where you're more of in a standing position or in a leaning position uh, while you're yeah. typing, yeah. they were able to really quickly transition and do a lot of typing standing up. Mm. The vast majority of us are probably not typing super heavily nonstop for eight hours a day. So you know which parts of your day you really need to adapt. So maybe it's meetings if you're somebody who does better work sitting down and, and just typing all of it and just finding that way slowly to adapt it. But if you're looking at what well, I just want to come back to that side of the sit less versus move more side of things, at least in the U.S., out of the eight-hour day, about three and a half hours are actually productive work that is being done. So if we're trying to squeeze more and more out of those people for that three and a half hours, is that really where we need to look? Or do we need to look at the other four and a half hours where they're somehow being ineffective, unproductive? Where are those changes that need to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. And you're just sort of bringing it back to the workplace in terms of you know, what are we expecting from people in these sort of workplace expectations? Um do you have sort of any advice in terms of employees or employers in terms of creating a more active workspace? For example, if you do work in an office where everybody is seated and nobody is standing ever, <laughs> um, unless it is like to get up and go to the bathroom or go get something, um, how does how does one sort of go about trying to introduce that because that can be sort of like a bit of a daunting thing I know that if I was still working at the law firm that I used to work out there is no way <laughs> and I was sitting there for oh my goodness I get there at like 8 45 and then leave at like 6 30 and I mm. would probably have only gotten up maybe three or four times um to go get lunch and go to the bathroom etc but there's, there's no way I would walk up to the managing partner and be like, do you mind if I just like stack all these files on top of my desk and move my laptop and just be the one person in the middle of the office that's like hovering above everybody? She probably would have said, no, that's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. You look ridiculous and we need to keep a professional environment. So 
So do you have any kind of advice in terms of those people who are, are trying to have a more active lifestyle at work but are scared of maybe the consequences? Absolutely. And that's very fair. A lot of people are in that position where they're not the leader. They're not the higher up leadership, the manager, whatever it might be. And they're, mm. they're afraid to kind of speak out or, or act out or do anything that might be wrong. So the biggest thing, uh, and, and I come back to this, this is my three L's, if you would, is learn, lead, lend a hand. Yeah. And they're in that order for a very specific reason. So learn, lead, lend a hand. Starting with learning is you don't know what you don't know. And you may not know what is acceptable in the culture, what is not acceptable in the culture. You assume it. Um, there have been plenty of stories of um, the monkeys with um, the bananas and that they've been sprayed down when they try to reach for the bananas. One by one, they take out the monkeys. And then still, anytime they reach for the banana, the other monkeys pull them down because it was just a learned behavior of, yeah. We don't reach for, we don't know why, but everybody always told us not to reach for the bananas. They did a similar study for people in the waiting room uh, of a doctor's office where there were actors initially. Every time a beep went, everybody stood up. And then slowly, one by one, they took out the actors and they put in people who didn't know. And eventually it was all brand new people who had no idea. And every time there was a beep, they begrudgingly stood up. Um, <laughs> nobody told them they needed to do it. Nobody, they just, oh, that's what humans. they saw and that's what was being done. So one has to wonder what is that learned behavior. So learn learn about the, the environment, learn about your coworkers. Uh, that's going to be important as we go to the other other two two parts of it. And then of course you can bring in somebody like me or somebody else who's maybe more around the movement specialist side, and you can learn from them. There is that piece to the learning. But really learn learn about your environment. The second piece is lead. The one thing that you have control over is leading by example and doing what you can. So maybe you're right, you can't stack the filing cabinets, but maybe you can start by doing a little more of the, the move more things that we said not to do because they're just not a long-term solution, but maybe you start saying, ooh, I'm gonna go for a walk at lunch. Does anybody wanna join me, right? And maybe you can start out with some of your colleagues so then it doesn't feel as intimidating in that sense. Yeah. That can work its way up because you can even ask, hey, would you mind if we start a meeting with five minutes of standing? Or, you know, would you mind if we're just going to have some people even have, they call them stand-up meetings. I erroneously thought that stand-up meetings literally were meetings <laughs> where you stood up. But no, they're just 15-minute yeah. meetings that are just brief, quick uh, ones to see where everything is. And partially they're called that because they're so quick, you could stand up for them. So it's finding those ways of, hey, can I take the initiative and start to implement some of these changes? And then the final part is lend a hand. And the lend a hand piece is where you can help others to make it a little bit more acceptable. And if you, if you didn't lead and people can't really trust you and you don't know what the right way is to help them, you can't lend a hand appropriately. Because yeah. a lot of times people go, I'm gonna lend a hand by organizing a 5K run. And the vast majority of your coworkers don't even wanna walk a 5K, much less <laughs> yeah. run it or do any of those things. Yeah. So, and also you're some random person who's never helped them on any kind of project, they're not gonna support you. So following the steps of learning about the environment that you're in, making sure that you're a leader in more than just uh, one way, and then lending a hand helps. And this can be used by anybody, lower employee, new manager, higher manager, an yeah. old manager that has just been stuck in their ways and is looking for a way to shake things up. But yeah. that would be the way I would approach it. Yeah, I really like that. That's, yeah, such a good kind of like healthy and safe way to approach it because I think people just 
sort of assume that you have to go like straight up to the like person in charge and just kind of be like, can we do this? Um, and then most people assume that they're going to say no. Um, but I feel like now, sort of nowadays, um, <laughs> that sounds weird to say, but I feel like people would probably be a little bit more open to it because there is kind of that that research behind it. Um, but I think in certain environments, it's it's still hard to do it. Yes, and you you bring up a very good point to give to give people some ammunition for it. Remember how we said forty five percent increase in productivity. Mm. People aren't really going to scoff at that. Um, so if you're sitting for more than about an hour and a half, your uh, ability to think creatively, the amount of creative errors that you have um, in those specific tasks goes up by fifty percent. Yeah. So huge. So bringing some of these things up of where, hey, if we sit too long, we're not going to be as good at our work. Maybe you don't even need the standing desk, but just some of those things. It means money to the higher ups. So if that's what, if you can, unfortunately, that's the way it has to be. That's life. <laughs> but if yeah. you can bring it back to like, hey, we can be more productive. We're going to cost less for you, and you don't even have to do any kind of buy-in. It's just letting us stand up and move around a little bit throughout the day. Yeah. That can help more of that buy-in from leadership. Yeah. What I find fascinating, just it just sort of clicked in my head is, I don't know if maybe there's some sort of research about this or if it's something you notice, but like doctors in hospitals and like surgeons, when they're doing a really long surgery, I've never been inside to see what it looks like. But from what I assume, from what I've seen, they don't sit down to do it. Like you always see doctors and nurses moving very rarely do I actually see, unless you're going to like your local doctor or the GP or something. Right. Um, but like when you're at the hospital, I don't see doctors and nurses kind of sit down to do stuff. I don't know if maybe that's has something to do with it. But like from what I know, when surgeons do long surgeries, they stay standing to do them. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it's just sort of something that just came to my brain. <laughs> Well, you bring up another another good point about it. So yes, they do they do stand up. That that has somewhat to do with the focus, but also just with their ability to move and do things. Mm. So they're just not limited by the seating as much in case they need to move. Um, there is an issue of standing too much because I get asked that as well. As so, you just mean stand? There's kind of a hierarchy of sitting is probably the worst. Then you have standing is better. Movement is really what we're going for. Now it right. doesn't mean that you never sit. It doesn't mean that you always move, it means that you have to find that kind of balance because okay, even factory yeah. workers or retail workers who stand a long period of time, they have their separate slew of issues and that can be yeah. its own concern as well. Okay. So it's more about, less about just kind of just standing in the one spot, but more actually having that movement when you are up and about and doing that kind of thing. Is that, is that what you mean? Yes. And I'll answer it with what we started the episode off with sedentary lifestyle, inactive lifestyle. If somebody is standing, they're not quiet as active. They're probably more True. active than seated, yeah. but it still could be an inactive lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. So let's just sort of bring it back to active work habits for a second. Um, mm -hmm. Because we've kind of talked about standing and how you can implement it and stuff. But from what we've discussed, you know, a habit is something that you innately kind of do. Um, and it's just sort of triggered by certain contexts. Um, and changing habits is proven to be quite challenging. 
Um, you mentioned kind of just starting off maybe doing standing work for like a few hours a day. Is there anything else that people can kind of do to um, help themselves adopt these habits? Sure. And a couple of things. Um, so the first to dispel some possible myths. So a lot of times we have this thought of, I want to start a new habit. The reality is you're still alive 24 hours a day. Surprise, surprise. You're still existing <laughs> and doing things, which means you actually have a habit. What you're partially saying is, I want to replace a current habit that I have, which that yeah. makes it really difficult if you're trying to add a habit that's new, but still keep the old habit. And all of a sudden you have habits that might be battling. Yeah. So I want to watch Netflix, but I should go for a walk, right? They're battling habits for that amount of time that you might need to do that. Obviously, there's plenty of time throughout the day for most people to go on a walk and watch Netflix. I do it. Or sometimes I have a little treadmill where I walk and watch Netflix at the same time. Oh, but yeah. nevertheless, there is this piece of whenever you're trying to form a new habit, most likely you're trying to kick an old habit out. And that takes us back to the sit less or do less of the bad versus do more of the good and how that plays around. The other kind of little myth is it takes 21 days to form a habit. It takes way more than 21 days. Otherwise, those 30-day challenges would work amazingly well and we wouldn't go, well, <laughs> okay, that's my so it, one. it takes more than like way more. 21. Okay. It takes anywhere from 66 to 165, maybe even a oh, year. That is not um, what I wanted to hear. <laughs> it's not what you want to hear. But as we think back to it, it makes a lot more sense why yeah. some of those habits never stuck around um, and why the gyms are a whole lot emptier in, in March and April <laughs> than they are in January and February. True. Um, so that's just for that. We have to work with the, with the real facts and the way that, yep. that things are. You're replacing an existing habit. So you have to be cognizant of that. And it does take a while. Yeah. So in terms of forming the new habit, one of the biggest things that I tell people is start small and start so small, so, so small that you don't even have to think about doing that thing. I'll give you a perfect example. You said start with maybe a couple hours of standing. I'm going to disagree. That's way too much. If you're used to standing for 15 minutes throughout your workday, starting with two hours, that's way too much. That's a okay. huge leap into it. Maybe add five more minutes of standing. And that's for a week or two weeks, you just add that five extra minutes of standing. And all of a sudden, that doesn't seem that hard. And now that's just how you do that specific activity. If you can link it and you'll, you kind of set it of, of, of that link because it's an, an innate thing that happens, a reflexive almost thing that happens. Yeah. That's just how you do that activity. Perfect example for me is Zoom calls. I do a lot of Zoom calls. I do a lot of video calls. I've set up my entire environment to where it's in a standing position. It's easier for me to take a call standing up than to take it all down, redo my lighting, redo the shelves, whatever else, and sit yeah. down for it. So that's just how I do calls from now on. It's not even a question of how, do I stand or sit for this one? This is, this is what I do. Yeah. That takes time. And yeah. it started out very, very, very small of, okay, I'm going to do one call a day standing up okay. and then slowly building up that tolerance. But yeah, that's kind of why we're here to sort of talk about that sort of mindset relationship to that active lifestyle in terms of, yeah, building that resilience um, and building those habits to kind of, yeah, help yourself have a more sort of active lifestyle um, and yeah, be more, be more resilient in the face of that because that's, yeah, sort of exactly what we're here to talk about. So we're going to go more into um, sort of 
practice and habit debrief and we're going to talk about sort of is exactly what the experts do what you do um so what Mm -hmm. is a practice that you do to overcome uh sedentary lifestyle i know you sort of mentioned you have like a setup but is, is there anything else that you kind of implement um and have sort of created a habit out of Sure. Um, so there is one kind of habit to create these habits is uh, that I talk about is intention. And it's intention and intention gets thrown around so much. Uh, what I mean is intention of movement for my office setup or for anything like that. So I have the intention and I use the, uh, the waste basket, paper bin, trash bin, whatever word you want to use for it, test uh, to explain it. So if you have your paper bin directly under your desk, All you do to throw out your paper is you take a piece of paper and you throw it there. If you have it on the outside of your desk, you have to do a slight lean to the side to throw it out. If you have it all the way across the room, you try to make a free throw. And if you're anything like me, you absolutely miss. (laughs) And so then you're going to have to walk over there and and pick it on up, which is going to be more and more movement. This is not an example of saying everybody should put their paper baskets all the way across the room. It's to say, what is the intention in terms of movement? Most of our stuff around us is set up with the intention of how do I get my job done faster and how do I how to make sure that I'm comfortable while I'm doing it. So I'm not in any kind of weird posture that hurts my back, even though I might be working quickly. Yeah. If we start to shift those priorities and saying, okay, how do I make sure that movement is part of this? That ends up sort of helping it. So on a bigger scale of this, I like going to coffee shops and I work well in coffee shops. I also know how important a morning walk is for me, both for just my mental clarity and in general, just the movement, the physiological side of it all. So I pick a coffee shop instead of the Starbucks that's just down the block, I pick a coffee shop that's two or three blocks away where I can sit and work outside for a while. So I'm getting a lot of benefits around it. And the intention is I get movement, I get natural light, and I also get to have my work done. And so that kind of works its way throughout all of it. So similarly of even going to the gym, I go to the gym three times a week. The other times I go for a hike. The hike is partially cardio, but also I use it as a time to kind of help manifestation and help get into a really good mood. And sometimes when I don't feel like going outside, maybe I'm walking on a treadmill and watching Netflix, but the intention around movement is constantly there throughout the day. Yeah. So do you face any challenges when you try to practice this? Because from the sounds of it, this is something that you've been doing for a while. Um, But even now, do you still kind of face some resistance sometimes where you're like, oh, I really don't want to do this. Like, I just want to sit here or lie down or just like, I don't feel like taking my meeting standing. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> <very frequently. laughs> the meeting standing part, uh, it's so high on my priority and I'm so used to it now. That one doesn't get me quite as much, okay. but the going for the hike or the workout, especially <laughs> now it's hot here in LA oh, and I still yeah. have to walk about a mile to the gym and a mile back. Yeah. And I'm going, Oh, Gross. come on. Can I just, I don't even really want to do the workout and I have to walk to the workout. Please yep. give me a break. Um, <laughs> so there, there are a couple of things. One, I now have a gym buddy. Amazing. That changes it all, um, entirely for me, uh, in that sense of, of overcoming it. The other piece is again, doing that bare minimum that you kind of go, well, okay, I'll do this. And then if it still feels wrong, I'll stop. Um, So maybe it's putting your shoes on and just walking outside because sometimes I'm stuck inside for so long, I forget how nice it is to be out in the fresh air. And all of a sudden I'm going, okay, great. Um, In terms of the standing up for Zoom calls, I didn't realize this until months and months into it, but I hurt my back. 
And usually it's a kind of injury where, and yeah, I know the guy that moves hurt his back, get over it. It's the, the same joke. People. <laughs> um, I get it. I'm only human, but usually it would take me anywhere from seven to nine days to get over this kind of an injury. It's, it's a common, relatively common one. It was like a disc thing, two days. In two days, I already felt better. Wow. And that all of a sudden made me go, oh my goodness, all those yeah. times that you wanted to sit down for a call, you're actually setting yourself up for this. Yeah. So sometimes you'll have those reminders that help to kind of push you through. And the final thing is the, the goal. Because I always keep that 11 hours a day, 40% increased risk. That's in the back of my mind. Yeah, and that's if terrifying. And if you know, five or six hours a day, I go, okay, I know you want to sit down to do this, but think about your future. Think about the work that you want to do, the people that you want to help. Think about your family. We've got a little one on the way. So like all oh, of those congratulations. things. Thank you. But it's, that's, that's the motivation and it's going to be different for different people. Mm. Um, maybe it's money that motivates you, but I would argue that it's never <laughs> money. It's probably what money can buy that motivates you. And it's that freedom True. that motivates yeah. you. So then it's, it's putting those into perspective of why I'm actually doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. I kind of want to just touch on something you said before, because this is a problem that I know we have a, a, a fair amount of in probably Melbourne, maybe less so in other parts of Australia, probably maybe Queensland, but that's Melbourne and Queensland are sort of known for having quite extreme weather. Um, because you mentioned before, like it's hot in LA right now. It's absolutely freezing in Melbourne right now. It is so cold. I am, I don't, I don't want to go. And that kind of touches back on that thing um, is in terms of when the weather is sort of at one extreme where it's like, really boiling hot. I lived in Queensland for a couple of years, um, which for any Australians listening will know is the last place you ever want to do any kind of exercise because it's like 85% like humidity. It's boiling hot and it's, you know, you're already sweating. So the last thing you want to do is increase the amount of sweat um, and your face is all red. Or when you're in Melbourne here, it's very much like London in terms of the fact that it's mostly raining a lot of the time and it's freezing so in both those aspects you don't want to move so how do you kind of sort of motivate yourself to kind of be like okay how like how do you sort of work around that because even just like talking to my auntie the other day and she doesn't even want to like go out to go to the gym because she doesn't want to go in the rain because it's too cold and she can't be bothered (laughs) So you brought up a lot of points there, a lot of great points. Um, mostly this has to do with exercise, right? Most of the time, what we don't want to do is a thing, is, is the exercise bit. Yeah. Um, what I mean by that is the difference between movement and exercise. So a lot of times, and this is where I worry that people get this misconstrued, is that when I say movement, they go, oh, he means exercise. I should go, I should go exercise. No, 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 no. I said movement. Exercise is a small subsection of movement. Doing laundry, um, t- taking your dog for a walk, all of those things count as movement. And your body wants movement. Your body doesn't know if you're doing exercise. It just gets kind of that, that stimulus into it. So the first part that I would go for is what are ways that you can still get movement throughout the day at home? Okay. For me, a lot of times, if I have a lot of chores or now that, like I said, we have the little one coming, a lot of nursery things are being put together and I have to do lifting and moving boxes. That's movement. And maybe if I've done plenty of that throughout the day, if I've done two or three hours of that, 
I don't need to go for a hike. I've been moving, and so I don't necessarily need to go out. Yeah. So it's it's finding ways that where is movement throughout your life that you might not have seen it. Okay. The other piece, of course, in terms of like that motivation is what are you reliant on? Because if you're going, well, unless I get to go walk outside, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Right. You've kind of set yourself up for failure because what all you said that you're going to do is I'm going to go walk outside and it's going to be nice. And I know there's some people in the hustle yeah. culture that will say, suck it up, go, it, it's going to be awful and miserable. And, go, <laughs> and I go, okay, but why not when you set yourself up that way, what is your backup plan? Can you put a YouTube video on and do yoga in your house, in the room where all you need is just a small amount of space? Or any, I mean, YouTube has a lot of videos that you could follow if you don't like yoga and plenty of other things. Could you just have a dance party for yourself? Or could you just do a bodyweight workout if you're literally looking for exercise? Yeah. I just think that most of the time we go, because it can't be that thing that I said that I was going to do, nothing else will be as sufficient. I'm done. I'm over it. So it's yeah. having a backup plan. Yeah. I, know, I don't know what it's like sort of in the States, but I know in Australia, we're like very sort of reliant on weather in terms of it is like the thing that decides what you're going to do that day. Um, maybe sort of like Melbourne people are kind of a bit more acclimatized. So when it is bucketing down, hailing, they're still like, well, I still have to go and do this thing because it's raining all the time. So there's nothing I can do about it. Um, but maybe if you live in a, a nicer part of Australia, that is more sort of um, you get good weather. <laughs> Not that we don't get good weather, but it's, um, it's something where when there is good weather, you see everybody outside. I think it's sort of just trying to change that mindset in terms of not being reliant on the weather to make me feel like I want to do things. Because when it is cloudy and overcast here and like it's raining today, I'm like, oh, I just, I just want to lie in bed and just watch Netflix and like drink hot chocolate and be warm. I don't, I do not feel like doing yoga. <laughs> like it's something that I think need to change the reliance on the weather maybe that decides what I want to do. I don't know. So Peloton over the pandemic got huge. It seems like everybody, I don't know how everybody could all of a sudden afford Peloton, <laughs> but yep. somehow it got very, very big. It didn't get big because Peloton makes a superior necessarily bike or exercise equipment. Yeah. They have very high quality exercise equipment, but it's not something completely out of this world and brand new that's never been done before. What they did do was create a community. They created a place where people could now connect worldwide. They could connect with their instructors and they felt that, okay, now I have the accountability. So part of what you're talking about is it's relying on the weather here. You're inside your own house. And now you know that there's other people, there's groups. And that's where culture, again, we're coming back to it, but culture community, mm. huge for that. Yeah. The issue is that most of us look for culture and community a lot of times, and this is a bit of a, an aside, but in our close friends and our family, and sometimes those people don't want to change the way that you want to change. Yeah. And then you get demotivated, and then they don't want to do it with you, and so it just falls yeah. apart. And sometimes it's finding those people that are like-minded that are going to support you in that, that yeah. choice that you're having, be it exercise or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Like having a gym buddy or something like that, that's mm -hmm. definitely um, a helpful thing. Okay, so going, we went on off on a bit of a tangent there, me just whinging about Melbourne weather. Can you tell it's really cold here right now? I'm so sick of it. Um, I would I would kill to be warm right now. Um, so let's get back to practice, your practice habit and sort of debrief. Um, do you set up 
a certain time to sort of practice kind of being more active? Like when you start your work day, do you sort of map out like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I am like standing for this or I'm going to go and get this or do that? Do you sort of like map it out or do you find it something that you just kind of am, am mindful of throughout the day? Um, I am more mindful of it throughout the day now, but when I started, I completely mapped it out. Right. Um, at this point, I don't care how many uh, standing meetings I have. I could probably stand throughout the entirety of the day. Um, it's the, the amount of meetings is more going to be a mental capacity of how engaged am I going to be True, with them. Yeah. Than I'm limited <laughs> in the standing position of it. Yeah. And then when I'm sitting, I take a lot of frequent breaks. So I, I recommend by the scientific side of it, you should take a break every 20 to 30 minutes is the ideal. If you are somebody that sits for an hour and a half or two hours at a time, do not start at 20 to 30 minutes. There's no way you're right. going to be able to continue with that and maintain your workflow. Now, the catch is that you have to couple it with an activity. Because if you just stand up and you go, well, this guy told me to stand up, so I'm standing up. This is stupid. Why am I standing up? I got to get back <laughs> to work. Sit down and you get back to work. Yep. So what I did when I first started out is I had a list of I love exercises, so maybe any stretches or exercises that I like to do. But again, I started very quickly getting away from that because I didn't want it to be consistent with exercise. There's plenty okay, of other stuff yeah. that we can do. So with working from home, I started adding chores. So I'm in charge of sweeping the house. So I would add a room and then every 20 or 30 minutes, I would get up and I might go and sweep the room. Or if I'm really focused in, I might go and grab a glass of water, go to the restroom. There's still yep. movement breaks. And I know exactly what I'm doing. I have an exact list. As soon as I get up, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to go make sure that that, that, that is all, all I'm done. Yeah. Um, what I will say is inevitably it comes up when I say every 20 to 30 minutes, people go, well, doesn't it take 27 minutes to you know get focused on your work and you're going to be throwing me off? Most of the time when I go and do the other thing, I'm still thinking through the problems. I'm thinking, what am I working on while I'm getting the water? And I'm thinking, mm, how, do I, how do I reply to that email better? Is this the right wording? what it might be. So it's not always that your workflow is going to get interrupted by it, but it slowly but surely takes time. Now, I don't even notice it. My body just tells me, like, I can just tell my body goes, we need to get up. <laughs> I've timed it before. It's usually around the 27, 28 minute mark that my body goes, no, 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 please. Let's go. Let's get up. Yeah. I, I want to move some more. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I'll definitely have to keep that in mind as somebody who in this kind of situation is sitting for, yeah, more than, more than an hour and a half because it's, yeah, I definitely don't expect myself to be able to just sort of like get up and just kind of yeah. do this standing because my brain and my feet will be very confused. Um, but yeah, it's something that just sort of will implement slowly. But yeah, I think it is definitely a mindset thing like we talked about. So my next question is how do you think this practice impacts your personal resilience? So the beauty about it is that I found that I could do so much of this and I, I can't believe I went the entire show without saying it. Um, but so I'm legally blind and I lost my vision while I was in physical therapy school. Um, it was a parasite. I'll make a very short, brief story of it. It was a parasite. I got misdiagnosed and then further, 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 multiple surgeries. I now it's all nerve damage. And so I can't really see your beautiful blur. Everybody's a beautiful blur. It's all wonderful. <laughs> Um, so in terms of the personal resilience, starting your own business, having a practice and interacting mm -hmm. with patients, even before starting my own business, all these things, it kind of keeps you going, Ooh, what can I do? What is really possible? Yeah. Movement 
is fully accessible to me, is still accessible to me and was part of that whole kind of recovery um, portion of it. Yeah, Absolutely. Wow. Um, and, uh, there was a hilarious story of where a doctor after one of the surgeries said, don't do any exercise. And I said, but I can like stand up out of a chair, right? He goes, yeah, of course you can stand up out of a chair. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that a hundred times, uh, but I'm not exercising. <laughs> I'm standing up out of a chair. That's okay. Right. Uh, it yeah. was fine. Nothing bad happened, but I did do it. I absolutely did do that Yeah, wow. Uh, because it was, it was just helping me at that point. But it's, okay. it's finding that movement is so accessible to me, how much my body likes it and finding that I can now build habits based off of my movement that showed me that I can translate that to almost anything in my life. So be that meditation, be that being more creative and, and, and writing songs, be that interacting with people, reading books, all of those, which I know people go, well, you're blind, how do you read books? I, my phone reads them to me, I'll be yeah. honest with you. I don't, <laughs> I don't read them myself. But it's that habit building actually translates perfectly to this idea of personal resilience because it allows me to know how to stay on course and that there's always a different way to look at it. That that one way that I thought about and maybe I can't do because I'm blind, that doesn't mean there's not a different way. That there's another yeah. way around it that I can figure out and that it's an, an ever ongoing process. Yeah. Wow, that's so incredible. Yeah, that's the sort of, yeah, that's sort of the epitome of resilience right there. It's just sort of that, yeah, sort of being able to keep moving forward like you spoke about at, at the start and sort of being able to adapt uh, which is the whole point of resilience. A, a resilience isn't always about being able to sort of like um, bounce back or be immune, but like you said, to be able to yeah keep moving forward. And it does change your perception on life and sort of how you think about things and relate to things and sort of the importance of things. Um, and I'm sure you yeah understand that better than anybody. So um, my final question is, do you have other any other recommendations um, to be paired with this practice or in ways that you could improve this practice? Definitely. One of the things that I've been uncovering lately is this idea of um, saying things that are incredibly cliche, but then I like to dig a little deeper because I get frustrated when people say the same stuff to me again and again. So <laughs> the cliche answer is kind of this mindfulness and gratitude aspect of it all. But what does that really mean? Um, so when it comes down to it is mindfulness and gratitude really just mean awareness. It's becoming more aware of the things around you. So it's the fact that, oh, you know, I really hate going for a walk. It's so much tiresome. I don't want to do this, but I get to, I get to actually, I have two legs that I get to experience, um, mm -hmm. this walk on. I live in a safe enough neighborhood that I can actually go for this walk on. I have the yeah. time and the ability and the health to go for this walk. The more and more that you do that, the more you build that awareness it also allows you to so easily find those opportunities for the sitting less, moving more, and the discernment of all of it. And it just stacks and builds one on top of the other. Mm. Yeah, I love that. So that pretty much wraps up our habit kind of debrief. So we're going to go into some audience questions now. Um, so we've got some questions here. And the first one is, um, would having a morning routine or a night routine be considered as an active work habit? Absolutely. Uh, so both parts of it, depending, I would, I would push more towards the morning routine because a morning yeah. routine is going to set up the rest of the day. A lot of times we have the best intentions at night and we're thinking, <laughs> oh, we're going to yeah. get up in the morning and walk, but we don't, we don't end up necessarily doing that. 
So yeah. I would say I would urge people more towards the morning routine. But if you're somebody who already has a morning routine, set up a night routine because that can also be very, very helpful of what is the thing that you do um, at the very end. So for me, actually, a lot of my exercise is a way that I cap off my work. So I go to the gym or I go on my hike when I'm done with my work day. And that also tells me, hey, it's time to relax after this. After this, you really yeah, get right. to do whatever it is that you want, watch Netflix um, or however you want to approach that. So that would be my yeah. answer, yeah. Okay, so you're a night workout person, not a, not a morning workout person. Um, what well, my gym buddy is a, so it's a combination <laughs> of weather as we've talked about weather. So yeah. in the mornings you have to go so early, uh, that it's just easier to go in the evenings for the hikes. And then my gym buddy is an afternoon evening workout person. I actually prefer to go to the gym in the mornings Okay, because yeah. if I can start my day off that way, I am so much more productive. Usually yeah. it comes around like one or two and I'm going, I'm done. My day is over. I've already... I've done a day and a half worth of work and I'm going, that's it. That's time. I have so much more time left in the day. <laughs> um, so I would prefer to do it that way, but just that's yeah. the way that reality goes. And I do prefer yeah. working out with a gym buddy than going by myself. Yeah. That kind of sounds more fun, honestly. All right. Yeah. So our second question and our last audience question is, are there any benefits to stretching and does that add to movement or is that something completely separate? I'm going to answer this in a kind of a, a bigger, bigger way about it. So when it comes to movement, we already talked about that difference between movement and exercise. And people tend to think that, oh, that's what I mean when I say movement is exercise. Yeah. If I was to give you a prescription of, hey, this is how you need to have, this is the most important things in terms of movement. Um, and I feel rather strongly about it. Uh, it's that just move is at the top one. If you're somebody who sits all the time, just, just moving, don't even think about what the movement is, is the best. The second is mobility. And mobility, that word gets thrown around. It's like, is that stretching? Is that flexibility? What do you mean? So flexibility yeah. is how far your joint can go. Mobility is, can you actually get into that range of motion? So maybe you can bend that way, but you can't actually sit in a full squat that way. And you can't kind of be there. Yeah. That's where, what mobility is. Are you mobile enough to get into it? Then cars, comes the cardiovascular training, and only then comes the, the strength training. A lot of times people just go, I'm going to go to the gym and strength train. That's the first thing. And then the rest of the day, they're just sitting around doing nothing. So movement, mobility, cardiovascular, yeah. then the strength training. And so when it comes to stretches, stretching is good, but are you actually using that increased flexibility for something? Because that gets into that issue of where people go, I stretch all the time, but I just can't seem to be flexible. <laughs> well, yeah, you stretch. And then the rest of the day, you're not using that extra yeah. mobility, that extra movement as part yeah, of mobility and getting into it. Of yeah. course, you're going to be stiff still. So stretching is a great way to get there, but you actually have to use it. And that's why move is the number one part. Number one thing. Oh, I love it. So that caps off our audience questions. Now we're going to move into open mic. So this is essentially the part of the show where the guest, Dr. Stefan, gets to talk about or do whatever he really wants to. You're essentially the host now, so good luck. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Um, how much time do I have for all this? As, as much time as you want. Oh, <laughs> you're that's the host dangerous. now. You're, you're, the, you're the host that's, now. I'm the host now. I get to, okay. Um, so that means I get to also start asking you questions um, as well because you get to be the guest now. Because if I'm the host, 
says, oh, you're not, you weren't ready for it. No. Um, so, has anybody done that? Has anybody interviewed you for this piece? I don't think so. I think maybe like once they asked me a question, but it was like, Perfect. they asked me a question to get an answer to go on to something else. That makes sense. Wonderful. So I have three interview questions for you that we're going to start off and then I'll go into my mm. piece, but it'll actually relate to all of it. Um, we get to learn more about our host. Guys, this is yep. fantastic. This is a rare opportunity that you, that you get here. Um, so we now know to a certain degree, or I now know that Tia does not like to drink coffee. So what do you <laughs> prefer to drink? I know you mentioned hot chocolate as one of your beverages. What is, what is your preferred hot beverage of choice? My preferred hot beverage of choice would probably be a chai, just a chai tea or a chai latte. Yeah, I think that would, it would yeah, Fantastic. chai latte. What size? Do you, are you someone who prefers, do you, do you prefer a smaller cup? Do you prefer a bucket? How, what size would you like? <laughs> I like just like a regular cup. I think if I, I don't know, I feel like if I drink too much of any sort of drink that isn't water, it starts to make my head hurt a little bit. I'm a, I'm a water person most of the time, mm. but if I'm going for a hot drink, then it's either a chai, um, like a chai latte or just like a, herbal tea. I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> Very nice. It no, it perfectly answers the question. Um, question number two, what is your favorite color? I alluded that purple is my favorite color, but what is yours? My favorite color is, is blue. I am currently wearing it. It makes up most of my wardrobe. <laughs> and it's that in like a professional color. A... Yes. Yes. The, uh -huh. the lighter blue. And thankfully, it is also tends to be a professional color. So it works in many different situations. Absolutely. That's, that's wonderful. And this is going to be the hardest question probably for you to think through. So take your time on it. Okay. If you were to give all of your listeners just like a final piece of advice, something that you just wish all of them would just get from maybe hearing your podcast, maybe even just from all the wonderful work that you do, what, what is that, those kind of words of wisdom that you would give? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> words of wisdom that I would give. Uh, I would, I don't know. Can I use a quote from somebody or does it have to be, does this have to be like a original thought? <laughs> No, you can use a quote. Okay. Um, I heard this when I was, oh my goodness, I think I was 13, 12 or 13. And uh, it was in a movie um, for any of anybody who's in sort of like in their early 20s, they'll probably remember, um, especially if you're a girl, <laughs> you will remember Monte Carlo. It was a movie with Selena Gomez. And at the start of the movie, um, there's, they've got their like high school graduation and at the start of the speech, one of the female characters, um, says, be the change you want to see in the world. It's from Gandhi. Um, but I have like, that's always been something that has been like instilled in me. Um, and I think it's such a nice way. Like if you want people to be nice and caring and loving and help other people, then you have to be nice and caring and loving and help other people. It's sort of, it's kind of like treat people how you want to be treated. Um, but I go with, 
I go with the the fancier version, which is um, be the change you want to see in the world. I like it. That's beautiful. And I, I think it's it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to live it. And so yeah. it's it's awesome that you get to live it um, as well, because that's what it has to do with a lot of those quotes, right? They a lot of people say them, and then they go like, you know, like that, but you don't act in that accordance. Yeah. In your case, you do act in the accordance of the quote, and that's <laughs> that's beautiful and lovely. I'd hope so. I'd hope so. Um, so we got to learn some fun things, and now people are going to make light blue T-shirts um, with. <sighs> <laughs> with that quote for you and give you branded merch and wonderful things. Maybe it'll just be a latte, um, a chai latte cup with that with that on there. And it's on a light blue t-shirt. Oh, I love um, that. I, I need that now. There. there you go. Now you need it. <laughs> I'll take five um, <laughs> in whatever way. So this all coming uh, to what I wanted to talk about, which for some people will make absolute sense and for others it won't, but I promise we're getting there, is creativity. And this is something that I have been struggling in a way so much of my life with of thinking what is professional and mm. then what is, is okay to be creative in yes. all of our kind of lives and everything. So especially coming out, my parents, my mom is an engineer, my dad was a theoretical physicist. It was like academic, 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 it's what you do. Yeah. Um, and so the way you prove that you're right and that you're worthy is you, you get a doctorate. Here I am. Right. But <laughs> I was at the same time, I was a musician. I was almost the black sheep of the family in the sense that mm. I started off going into orchestras and wanting them to make movies and on all these other things. And the world inevitably kept on kind of saying no. And I was in the professional world. Like, no, you can't. Mm. This is how you do professional things. You want to get yeah. this result. This is what you do. Uh, people don't want to see that kind of stuff. And now that I'm able to kind of spread my wings a little bit more and interact differently, I understand, no, that was me kind of shutting myself down. And where really that is, is the world and other people in the world can't necessarily do those things, so they're not going to do them. But it doesn't yeah. mean that you can't do them. Now, exactly. surely there's terrible creativity and there's terrible art projects. And we've seen <laughs> some things where we go, oh, is yeah. That art? Or is, or is that shrink wrap garbage? I don't I don't know what that is. Um, so th there is a place for that. But I think the reason that I'm bringing up all of this is for me, I am now starting to finally realize that me bringing up Robin Williams, me, me bringing up kind of like having the creativity, that's moving more and more into my work, is that so much of the world is lacking of the creativity and we're just mm. trying to do the same thing faster as yeah. opposed to, can we think of doing it in a different way? And that every single one of us is unique, right? Not all of us were gonna say chai tea with, with, with <laughs> light blue and then with that specific quote. Because some people might've gone, yeah, I like the Gandhi quote. You didn't say Gandhi quote. You went for movie quote that was originally from Gandhi. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> never, nevertheless, there is this aspect of creativity. And I think the more and more people are kind of trying to find out the formula, find out the social media algorithm, finding out all these things of, and we're really lacking this piece of being creative. So what I want to do is, uh, I've, I alluded to the show, I have a show coming up and I'm kind of, I'm still workshopping it. It's going to be going, um, live at the beginning of September in terms of ticketing and all of that. Oh, wow. Um, and it's called scared sitless. 
Um, it's, it's all virtual. It's, enti it's entirely virtual. Um, yeah. And I want to I want to push that virtual experience a little bit further because I think it's it's boring. I'm not yes. going to go into all the ways that it is different and creative, but it's just I just want it to be fun and interesting. So one of the things that I wanted to share that I figured easily translates here is a song that um, I have that's a part of it. Ooh, now, yay. I'm not trying to say that I'm some kind of a singer. It is, it is much more for the idea that we've talked about a sedentary lifestyle. We've talked about, okay, what is, what is sitting possibly doing mm. to me? Yeah. And so that's what we're going to go into um, and play. I'm so and I'm excited. hoping that it comes across. I hope you're excited. Um, I'm, I'm not nervous. I'm not terribly <laughs> shaking in my boots. Um, I'm fine. Hugh Jackman uh, is very I proud. Will, I will start. Yes. <laughs> I will say that I understand that the song starts with the words, I'm sitting in this chair and I'm not, but for the purposes of how we're recording right now, I'm not. All right, I am. So, use your imagination, people. We're talking about creativity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, off we go. Sitting in this chair, my work totally neglected And I think that my capacity to do it is affected I feel groggy, sleepy, woozy, tired Better work or I'll get fired Stressed and worried, wearing thin I think depression's kicking in I've been sitting for an hour, my back's getting stiffer And I'm wishing that my creativity would just work quicker But I'm noticing my neck and shoulders Hard rock knots that feel like boulders After work, I'll hit the gym I think depression's kicking in If only I could lose love handles Surpass productivity standards Not choose between work and life Not choose between work and life my muscles feel like they are wasting. What the hell's this dream I'm chasing? I'm burning out, but not burning fat. Seriously, what's up with that? My colleagues also <laughs> look exhausted. Last week, Terry freaking lost it. A weekly meeting without fail. That could be summed up in an email. When it comes to corporate wellness, the results always the same as it all ends with food and drink. Well, let's be honest, drink and drink. It's not funny, it's a problem, one that we should look at solving. It's a cry for help and strife, not choosing between work and life. <laughs> there we go. That was, was amazing. Be able to whistle, but there we go. Everyone's clapping. <laughs> it's we'll wonderful. We'll claps <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll, we'll put claps in over the top. Um, that was amazing. We'll I love it. There we go. There we go. Still a rough draft in that sense, but just bringing it to this point of creativity and we can really spice up our lives and everything. Mm. And I'm so glad that that's the response that you all had, but also that's the response that so many people have. And if anybody has any amount of creativity, don't let work stifle it. The vast, vast, vast majority of time, even in the corporate world, <laughs> creativity should shine. Yes. And that is my open mic. Thank oh, you. perfect. That was the most incredible open mic ever. I think that takes the cake. That was wonderful. And what a beautiful way uh, to end our podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Stefan Zevelin, performer, genius, Marvel man, um, for being here. We had the best time and... Um, I hope everybody listening had a great time because that was a hoot. Please go and watch the, the video version of that performance because 
It was wonderful. Oh, wow. Um, and for those who... Thank you. My absolute pleasure. And for those who want to find out more um, about you and what you do, uh, where can they go? StephanZavalin.com, pretty easy. All, uh, everything will be up there. I'm also very active on uh, Instagram and TikTok. So if you want to see more of those kinds of videos and all kind of stuff like that, yeah, it's all over that. And then LinkedIn and Facebook easily, but mostly yeah, Instagram, TikTok, and my website. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And to our listeners, don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. You have been listening to Bouncing Back, the personal resilience science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps others find us and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pr.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Tia Hama. Thanks for tuning in.